Now rocking with the best. Only two things can get you through this, man. Patience and persistence. Work harder than everyone. Be patient and just know that if you're gonna do something on your own, you're gonna have to feel some pain. You're only the boss if you put up your own money. If you don't put up your own money, I don't care how much somebody gives you. You're nothing but a supervisor. It's not yours. It, it takes fearlessness to be first. You know, to not move with a crowd, to move alone. I stopped living according to what people wanted me to do. I started living according to what actually made me happy. If you're not happy, change your life. Allow me to reintroduce myself. The Culture Talks Podcast with your host, Carlos Stutzer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy, Kyle Stutzer, back back at it again with another episode of the Culture Talks podcast, which has recently been re-changed. Recording in progress. To the Kyle Stutzer show. So um, I'm excited to have a guest on today by the name of Roy Scott. And I've been following this individual for a few months now on social media channels, and across, you know, his different social platforms, getting to know him a little bit better um, without conversation. And today we're going to get to know him with conversation. So I'm glad you guys are able to join us on this podcast today. If you are listening, make sure that you share this podcast when it's over. Leave a five-star review as that is the only way we can grow. And of course, only leave a five-star review if you really thought it was five stars. So that being said, Roy, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Let them know a little bit about you and give them a little brief bio. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here. My name is Roy Scott. I'm founder and CEO of Healthy Hip Hop. And uh, what we do is take the urban hip hop beat and put a positive message over it for kids about education, health and wellness. We found success with using that as a learning tool to improve focus, engagement and behavior at school and also at home. And so I will talk a little bit about my story, basically my legacy from uh, from gangster rap to healthy hip hop and how I've did a 180 with my life and um, was able and fortunate enough to turn this into a business and, and how I um, evolved into the tech space. I love it. I love it. And so for those who don't know, you are from Kansas City, Missouri. So can you kind of talk to me about, you know, where you grew up? What was school like? How was your how was your experience living in Kansas City? I know you're in the middle of a transition, um, you know, right now with with different locations, but home is where the heart is, as they say. So Let's talk a little bit about Kansas City and how it's impacted you as an individual growing up to where you're at right now. Right. I mean, Kansas City has had a profound impact on me, um, taught me quite a bit. You know, originally when, as a youth came up in like uh, hilltops on the top of an area, then uh, my family started getting getting on their feet a little bit. We moved out south in like the 60s and then ultimately got out to Grandview. Uh, I graduated from Grandview High School. I'm old head back in 99. Used to hoop, man. I, your boy, I still, I still wiggle and and whip with it. You know what I mean? I, my son, he uh, he's seventeen now. He's a junior, and I still, I'm still giving him the business. So uh, don't get it twisted. But uh, yeah, from that, and so shaped me a lot. You know, coming up in Kansas City, uh, I think on the in the hip hop world, like Kansas City is unique that we kind of like have like a uh, we like underground like Bay music. Barry music. So we came up listening to like, you know, Mac Dre. We came up listening to Sebo, uh, Brother Lynch, uh, stuff like that. And so the music really impacted me a lot. And um, that's why I do what I do now, because hip hop was just so influential to me. And it had me um, going after a lot of the wrong things because I really didn't have like a lot of guidance around me. And so actually I dropped my first 
tape under the name Mac James. So I was Mac James with two C's because we thought we was really cripping really hard on these streets back then. Uh, it was Mac James and the first tape I dropped was premeditated. And that was it right when I graduated in 1999. So I was 18 years old. And, you know, Kansas City's a little bit like uh, we get, we're kind of uh, behind like major markets. So Putting a CD out in 99 and at the age of 18, that was pretty like uh, ahead of my time with that. And so uh, put that music out and then ended up linking with Diamond Shields. And so Diamond Shields is like the OG. I, I call him like the uh, God rest his soul. He's, he's passed away. But I called him like the uh, Kansas City version of, uh, of of Baby from, you know, with cash money because he was the dude in the streets with the dope money that was putting it into the rap. And so he was the one that was funding all of Tech Nine's first albums. So you're talking about like the Calm Before the Storm, Mitch Bay, The Worst, et cetera, uh, when he was really first getting started. And so anyway, fast forward, uh, ended up linking with them. We we came together and started, you know, pushing the pushing the music as the Midwest Siders. And uh that was kind of my early journey, just coming up in Kansas City and uh and how it influenced me, like I said, especially like in in the hip hop space. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad you shared that story about, you know, the Kansas City's version of of, of uh, Baby. Because, you know, when I was, there's a video that you shared, um, let's see, on Instagram a few months ago. And it was kind of like your story from start to beginning. Um, I don't know right. if you're familiar with the specific video that I'm talking about. but Yeah, it's called Chop It Up. Yeah, that was basically talking about just that, right? Yeah, and you were kind of making the connection to, you know, you had mentioned tech in that story and, and for individuals who are listening who don't know too much about your story or don't know too much history about Kansas City hip hop past 2003 for me um or before 2003 it was it, it was dope to hear you share that. So um can you talk about maybe some of your early influences in hip hop outside of Kansas City? Who are some artists that you know really pushed you to get into music? I know you mentioned some of the Bay Area artists and maybe maybe that's the answer but um, you know, are there any other artists that really influenced you to be like, yo, all right, this hip hop thing is going to be the, you know, the path, the journey that I, you know, lead my life down from here on out. Right. I think honestly, it was crazy. Cause, uh, so when I was a kid, like I, I just always loved music. So my pops, he was, a he was a bass player, like in a band and stuff. So I always like gravitated towards music. I loved it ever since I was a, a child. And Pops was, he was just that, like that song, he was a Rolling Stone. So he showed me music, but other than that, he was out in the streets. You know I mean? I really, I really didn't get to uh, connect with him like that, but I always wanted to do music like him. And I think some of the first records I was hearing, I think that really moved me. I'm a, I guess I'm old heads so when I was a kid, was like a uh, crisscross, you know what I'm saying? So I was in elementary school, I might've been in like what, third or fourth grade or something, you know what I mean? So crisscross comes out and it was just like, dang, so I'm seeing kids rapping, I'm like, okay, other kids are spitting too. And so that really started me on my journey of like becoming an MC because I always was pretty good with my wordplay. So we'd be on a bus like freestyling, we'd be on a lunch table, you know, beating on the tables when we'd be freestyling. So I think like the crisscross stuff really kind of started me early with thinking about that. And then uh, like my pops, he would be listening to uh, like public enemy, stuff like that. And then I remember, well, I thought about this too. It was definitely not appropriate, but uh. I remember when the chronic first came out, I heard it through my, when my pops he picked me up one day and he, he was playing the chronic, you know what I'm saying? I just remembered how game changing that was. And so definitely like Dre and Snoop. Uh, and I was late with Tupac. Like, cause first, you know, I, I was always kind of like anti with what the crowd was doing. So everybody loved Tupac. I was like, oh, Tupac, I, don't, I wasn't really feeling it. 
But then once I really listened to it, I was like, man, it's, you know, Tupac, he just, his, uh, his energy, uh, his voice, like his lyrical game. And so I would say the West Coast with them, for sure, a lot was a big influence on me. I love it. I love it. And are there any artists right now, you know, over the past five years with this new age of hip hop that have been, you know, inspiring to you when you're making music nowadays, you know, that, that have maybe influenced a certain level of creativity or or inspires you to kind of want to step into a new lane of music um, from the artists that are that are around right now. You know, we have Meek Mill, we have we have we have uh, Lil Uzi Vert, we have we have all types of variations of hip hop artists now. Are there any that really stand out to you as as talent that you think are going to leave a legacy behind? Um, yeah, for sure. So I mean, that's for me mostly. Because once I uh, started my healthy hip hop journey, just me personally on my spiritual spiritual journey and on my just growth as becoming a, a, a man of character and a man of God, like I typically I couldn't listen to the music because a lot of the music I just did, you know, wouldn't agree agree with. But what I always do is I keep my ear to the streets to hear what the sound is, like hear what the what's the rhythm of the streets, because, you know, that's what's always moving the culture and was moving the people, these young minds. And so I stay in tune through my, what my kids listen to. Uh, you know, I asked, like I said, I got a son who's a junior, but I also, I still listen as well. So I would think, you know, for me in, like, in the last five years, you would definitely say like what uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, you definitely say like, uh, well, Drake, he's been pretty much dominating for the last, what, you know, almost 10, 15, maybe 20 years or so. Um, I think of them as far as like, um, the top in the game to do it. And I know there's some young, some cats now that's doing it too. Like, especially I'm in Atlanta now. So here in Atlanta, right. um, I think what's incredible here, what's happening in Atlanta is even though some of the, like the mute, it's the vibe, it's the energy of the music, even if I agree or not with the message, like the, uh, it's the vibe. And so, but there's some guys down here really like doing stuff. Like for example, like a young thug, I know. So I, I don't listen to young thug, but I, some of his music is catchy and maybe some stuff I don't agree with, but he's actually doing a lot like in these communities and they making, they down here making money. You know I mean? they, they making real money, uh, Atlanta supporting them. So yeah, I would say the most influential in the last five years that we're going to be like Lamar, Kendrick Lamar from my speed, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Drake, and like a J Cole, something along the lines. And then if you're talking about the Jigga man, you know, he's the, for him, you know, lyrically and just also just on the business side of things what he's done has just been unprecedented i love it i love it and you know i kind of want to kind of touch on what you just said right there on the business side of hip-hop you know we we speak about jay-z we can talk about nas we can talk about you know a few other artists are there any artists that you know not so much on the music side, but maybe on the business side have really inspired you or that you look at their story and you utilize lessons that they've taught through their music about business that you've applied to your life. Can you think of any? Yeah, I would say those two you just named for sure. So Jay-Z and Nas, because a lot of people sleep on the fact that Nas is, he's deep in the venture capital world and he's invested in like companies like Ring who exited, you know, for billions of, or got acquired or went public, one of those for billions of dollars. Uh, he 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 received a nice chunk off of that. Um, he's invested in several other companies as well. Um, in fact, I think uh, uh, the most recently, the biggest one is um, it's the Bitcoin joint. Can't think of the name off the top of my head, but uh, Coinbase is it Coinbase or Coinbase? Yeah, Coinbase. Yeah, so Coinbase. So he was invested in that, which gave me he's seeing big returns. So definitely them two. 
Uh, but also for me, like Master P, you know what I'm saying? So Master P was like, you know, when I was coming up, No Limit, when we was in high school, you know, that was that was everything. You know what I mean? Like No Limit was uh, dropping a new tape a week or something. I was copying every one of them things. So uh, Master P for sure, because even my initial hustle uh, coming out the gate with the music, it's different than now. So like, we had, like I said, we had the CD. So when I dropped my CD, I was learning the game. Like, okay, it cost me a thousand dollars to press a thousand joints. And so I'm going to get out and sell these on average, you know, average about seven bucks per unit. Cause some I'll get off for 10, some for five, some for more, depending on where I was at, but average about seven bucks. So I was making, you know, 7,000 uh, bucks, six K of that's profit. So my thing was like, if I can do this a month, you know what I mean? Like I'm making six grand a month, you know, minus some of my other expenses maybe came down like 4,500. So anyway, that was my mindset. That was my hustle. I'm out flipping CDs. And so as things transition, like right now, uh, it's, it's, it's more challenging for artists to see money like that. So that's why, you know, majority of their money is coming from like, they have to tour, uh, they're selling merch. Um, but on the streaming side, the streaming kind of whacked the game, you know what I mean? Where they get, you get 0.005 cents per stream. And so with that being said, as we'll get more into this too, like how I entered the tech space, I was looking at the game, like, okay, the flippers and CD game is over, right? That's, I mean, you, you might be able to sell a few joints and it's hard to merch and tour, especially now COVID showed you that like stuff like COVID come up and shut your whole operation down. And so, um, even before COVID had hit, I was already focused on the tech space. And that's why we built our own DSP. So that's digital service provider. So we essentially built our own Spotify uh, that we, where we host our music and we can control how we monetize it. We can control the algorithms. We built this code from scratch. And so our app is like a Spotify meets TikTok, but in a curated environment for children and families. And so that's the journey I've been on because I'm not a technical, I don't have a technical background. I'm not a technical founder, but I've really been getting deep in the space, learning about raising capital, learning about, you know, uh, going through um, pitch competitions, um, going through accelerators to eventually raising uh, a private equity investment, et cetera. So it's been a, it's been quite the journey, man. And I'm still learning. A beautiful journey at that. I love it. I love it. And and before we jump into that, just to, to continue on the path of some of your influences, I know, um, you know, there was a there was a story that you shared on your Instagram about your grandmother um, in New Jersey from New Jersey and, and some of her um, some of her early, I guess you could say, um, I don't know if I want to use the word activist, but the, 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 the early efforts she made in regards to um you know, race relations in, in, in the Eastern side of the country. Could you share that story? And then also some of the influences you or, or lessons that you learned from your grandmother growing up? Absolutely. So yeah, man, my grandmother, she was, uh, she was a trailblazer. Uh, she was, it was actually New York. So they're originally from New York city, the Brooklyn area, and then moved upstate to Rochester. And that's pretty much where she, uh, ended up raising like my pops and their siblings, uh, in, in upstate New York. And so, yeah, um, I always knew, like, my grandmother, she always just, like, was just about it. She was, like, of high character. Uh, she was no nonsense, and she just made stuff happen. So I learned, ended up learning later in life that she had created a program called Urban Suburban. And basically what this was doing, it was, it was busing kids, specifically black and brown children, from 
urban areas, inner city areas to out to the suburbs to get a, a higher quality education. And so, you know, because my grandmother, you know, when they came up, you know, they they were raised, uh, they lived through segregation. You know, they lived through that where it was literally, you know, you had to eat and eat and drink in separate places, et cetera. Education was and all that. So, uh, you know, she came up in that. And so it was awesome to see that as she started growing in the corporate world, she decided to kind of branch out and kick off this program because she noticed this inequity and she noticed this uh this gap in, in the education world. And so basically just created this program where, she, again, and I think my pops and them was, uh, was some of the first to do it, where she was literally taking kids from the inner city of, of New York and then getting them bussed out to the suburban school so they can get a better education. So um, learning about that and seeing how she moved that and just seeing how she was kind of ahead of her time and, and really uh, just innovative with what she was doing, uh, that definitely inspired me to do what I'm doing, just thinking entrepreneurial and thinking, how can I not only uh, leave a legacy and build a sustainable business, but how can I build something that is going to positively impact the lives of others? I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want to ask you, you know, you, you shared uh, a little bit earlier in this podcast, you know, about your process from what you, you said is a goon to gentleman. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about what was the most cha- – I'm sure there's many challenges during that process, but what were some of the challenges during that process, you know, from going from one lifestyle to a new lifestyle, from one goal to another goal, you know, kind of switching your whole movement around. What was that process like, and what were some of the most challenging portions of that time period? Are there are there any principles or 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 books or or videos or anything that really helped you get through that process and kind of like pushed you down the this new path i know there was kind of a few questions within that whole question but either way talk about that process yeah for sure well for me you know i usually want when i'm talking business i don't get too deep into it but i've been i'll be really transparent for me it was just about getting the word of god and so like that's what really transformed my mind and my heart was really seeking god and uh, and part of the transition where that happened was, you know, part of my story also, as I was picking up my son, Justice, who I told you now, he's a, he's a junior, but he was like uh, four years old at the time. I was picking him up from school and uh, we was riding home, just vibing out, playing, playing some Mac James, playing some Chop It Up. And um, he started repeating the music word for word. And so when I look back and I seen him, I was just like, you know, no, nah, I mean, I can't be this kind of influence on him. And then I was just reflecting on how impactful and influential music was on me. And so for me, that was like a God moment. I was like, you know what? I just stopped rapping. I was like, I'm done. And so that was the first step of it. And then the, some of the initial challenges was like, I was deep in it. I'm talking about, I was fully immersed in all my, my guys that chop it up. It was like, man, what you mean? Like, you, you done? Like, bro, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. And so I had to like, disconnect disassociate just so i can get my mind and my heart right and as i got more solid in the word of god and got more committed to uh where he was the path he was blazing for me then uh he gave me the vision of doing this for kids like he's like do it for the kids and so because again i mean yeah think about it i was talking to my god about this other day like especially in kansas city how many think about a rapper right now that would at the peak of a game, like stop rapping and start doing hip hop for kids. Right. Like you, you get laughed, you, you get laughed out the room, right? And so 
that's what they were laughing at me, but I just didn't give a damn. Like, I don't keep, you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew what I what I was called to do, and I stuck to it. And, you know, and I've been on that journey ever since. Um, and, and now still, you know, it's been hyper-challenging, but it's it's really fulfilling. And I, I, got the, I got the peace in my mind and my heart. And, of course, uh, another thing is I've really been focused on my mental health and making sure my mind uh, stays sharp and that, that, again, standing firm on that word of God so I can – continue going down the right path and, and you know not reverting i love it i love it and so i kind of want to transition into talking a little bit more about healthy hip-hop so can we talk about like the first the first uh iterations of healthy hip-hop what was it supposed to look like what was the plan because you know you mentioned your son's a junior now he was four years old then when the and, you know probably four or five when this thought of healthy hip-hop comes in into your mind and technology was a lot different then than it is now and you know, like you were saying, you you weren't you're not like a tech guru from a from from being 14. You know what I'm saying? Like some of these other guys are. So, what was the first iterations of health, healthy hip hop, and how did it turn into where it's at today? Right, man. That's a man. It's been a very interesting. Uh, is when I first did it again, I went into my bag of what I knew how to do. So when this kicked off, uh, originally around like the end of 2009 is when I really started like getting into it. Cause so my son, he was born in 2004. So around about 2008 is when I was like, you know what? I'm out. Then around 2009 is when I had this vision. I said, okay, now I'm about to get back in, but I'm doing it for kids. And I got, got my bag and what I knew how to do. And what I would encourage any, you know, entrepreneur who somebody who's about to start in their, you know, a business is to kind of go with something that you're familiar with or that, you know, that that a uh, uh, space that you pretty much know how to navigate. I knew how to press up CDs and, and, and do music, and so I dropped the first album called "Listen to Learn" Volume One, and I actually had my son on the album cover. And so I just I just pushed up a printed printed up a CD, and we started as a nonprofit as well. So I still have the uh, the foundation active, but we are a for profit company. Uh, but I just still kept it active because there's certain grants and different other things that you can go for with with the 501c3 status. And um, but drop the first CD. Right. And I wasn't I was like, man, we about to just drop these CDs, do stuff for the communities and, and uh, you know, community like events and different stuff like that and, and get in traffic. And so um, started with that. It was a big success. I printed up my first thousand, sold that thousand like in, in about, I'll say like two or three months. Uh, sold the thousand and then we just got booked for a school so we naturally we i wasn't even planning on this but we just kind of found success in education teachers were loving healthy hip-hop and they were like can you come perform for our kids i'm like bet and so uh started as just a cd then it kind of evolved into the live events uh and then we just stayed booked up doing schools at that time i, I partnered with a, a a gentleman named reggie reg the magic man he was a magician uh, we had a nice little run. He was already kind of doing uh, the children and family show. So I learned quite a bit from him. We started touring schools uh, and it went from my like, schools to actually now doing stuff for the MLB, the NFL. We did stuff for the LeBron James Family Foundation. Uh, so it kept going up. And then big picture, the goal is to become an iconic children's brand. So that's why we said like an urban Disney or the Sesame Street of the 21st century. And um so we had started you know, like creating some curriculum around the music. We started create, creating a kids television show, et cetera. And that was kind of the first iterations going from just a CD to uh, some programming around the music that was used in the school to live events to then actually doing like a children's television program. 
uh, and, and, and creating like this uh, uh, entire enterprise around what healthy hip hop is. And then I'll get to the next part of the story once I stop here about how we went and pitched for Shark Tank. And then that's when really like the shit hit the fan and we kind of uh, made a, had to ultimately make a pivot and change and go into the tech space. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and we'll talk about that pretty much right now. But before you, before we get into that, I want to ask you, are all those distribution channels kind of still, you know, alive today? Are you still doing live performances? Are you still, you know, you know, uh, dropping albums? Are you still like, are all those channels of distribution for the, for the brand for healthy hip hop for, you know, the music all in that same lane still? Um, and if not, you know, continue talking about the transition into where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. No. So th- those are still there, but we je- definitely uh, reprioritize some of it. So especially obviously with the live events, you know, with uh, everything that's going on right now with COVID, uh, that definitely is kind of off the table. We've done actually done some, uh, but it's, it's not been as cracking as it was before. So, but even before COVID hit, we were already making that transition. And so those channels are there. We still release music, but we'll put some out on other platforms, but most of the music we keep exclusively within our app. So you have to download the Healthy Hip Hop app to have access. And so um, part of that, you know, transition into the tech world was also, we had got selected to pitch on season seven of Shark Tank. And so the fast version of that story is we closed the deal with Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, you know, one of the hardest sharks to close, which was a half a million dollar investment for 50% of just our kids' television property. At that time, we had a, a totally different business model. And because Mr. Wonderful had been in like the education space for kids, um, he had done some different properties like Carmen San Diego and like um, one of the old games, Oregon Trail, like one of the first uh, school like computer games. So anyway, close the deal. We're excited. This is about to be the, the tipping point for us because more important than that deal is the 7 million viewers that they were getting on their show. So we're about to have 7 million new viewers looking at healthy hip hop. Like we own, this is, we're about to be made men. And so uh, fast forward, six months goes by, we're waiting on the call from Shark Tank, never get the call. So we finally get the call and I'm like, man, this is it, you know? And so they're like, Hey Roy, I want you to know you guys did an incredible job, you know, but unfortunately your episode is not going to air. And I'm like, I'm talking about my heart fell to my foot. I'm like, what, what, uh, what you mean today go here? Like, he's like, well, uh, kind of gave me some BS, like uh, the slots got full. And I was like, man, so as soon as I got off that call, I emailed Alex Kenji. He's the CEO of O'Leary Ventures. And that's who we started our due diligence with on the investment uh, right after we filmed. And so he, he emailed me back and was like, you know, yeah, Roy, let's get on the phone. Let's talk tomorrow. So we get on the phone. He's like, listen, you know, can I talk to you off the record? I'm like, of course. And he's like, well, you know, you guys got screwed. He said he used a little bit harsher language than that. And I was like, well, well, what you mean? And he's like, uh, well, ABC, the network that Shark Tank comes on is owned by Disney. And they looked at your children's programming as competition. So uh, welcome to Hollywood is what we were told. They basically just pulled the plug on us and uh, took a crap on us. And so, you know, the, uh, the best and worst validation where, you know, Disney sees you as a threat. So you're on to something, but we just lost our deal. We lost our national exposure. And it's like, you know, what's next for us. And, um, talking about the challenges of entrepreneurship. So I'll get into that also. Like, so what was next? And so, uh, when I got that news, obviously I was depressed. Like for about a week, I didn't get off my couch. I'm like, man, what's the next play for us? 
And I was thumbing through this uh, Netflix. I was thumbing through Netflix and I found this movie called Walt Before Mickey. And it talked about Walt Disney's entrepreneurial journey and how he had similar moments where he got really close uh, to his goals, got rejected, but he stayed resilient and moved because uh, he's from our hometown of Kansas City. He moved Walt Disney from Kansas City to L.A. and then, you know, blew it out the water. And so I'm trying to repeat history as the urban Disney as young black Walt take it from Kansas City to the A, you know what I'm saying, where I'm at now today in Atlanta. And then, like I said, repeat history. So uh, but at that moment when I was trying to figure out, like, what is the next step for us? We were really, really trying to figure out, like, what is our business model? And I was just looking at every industry and I was seeing how whoever was creating the innovative technology, whoever was creating the software, that's who was winning. So if you look at any industry, if you talk about um, if you talk about the automotive industry, it's Lyft, uh, it's uh, Uber, it's Turo. If you talk about the film industry, you're talking about Netflix, you're talking about Hulu, et cetera. And you can go to each each industry, whoever was that. And those are the big dogs. There's a lot of smaller ones we, that people don't know about. But I just knew we had to get in that space. And so I looked at how we were getting used in the school setting and also in the home setting. And that's when we pivoted to create the online platform for educators and then also a mobile application uh, for uh, parents and students and then started that journey. And and, uh, and that's how we kind of got into the tech world. I love it. And and so where does your education start there? What did you start reading up on? What 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 podcasts are you listening? Who are you getting in contact with to really help you understand what your actionable steps are so you know you're about to pivot you know what your new business model is going to be and where you guys are going to start moving towards but how do you start learning about how to implement action to to actually you know create progress if that makes sense you know because a lot of people will be like well i don't know anything about the tech world and i don't have any friends in tech so i'm just going to find a different business model even though they know that's the correct one and that's the one that's going to you know do the best for them they just don't know how to do it so they kind of give up so what where how do you decide i'm going to move forward with this even though i don't know too much about it yet right that's an excellent question what i did was i talked to a i we have a couple of mentors I was uh, speaking to, and basically I was advised just to get in the entrepreneurial ecosystem uh, of Kansas City. Where I, that, at that time, that's where I was at. So this was like 2016, 2017, when I really got deep in the ecosystem. So it started with like going to Kaufman Fast Track. So Kaufman Fast Track is a program that you pay for that's ran at the Kaufman Foundation, but it's actually administered by the uh, SBTDC, so the Small Business technology did some whatever out of uh that's partnered with umkc so i went through kaufman fast track and just started getting acquainted with uh the people in the space uh and, and a lot of that programming kind of depending on what stage you're at and me i was at ground level it kind of breaks down each phase so like you know simple stuff like what's your value proposition uh working on your elevator pitch uh, you know, what is the product? How does it work? How do you monetize the product? How are you going to, what's your go-to-market strategy? And so going through a lot of those initial ones, initial programs kind of started having me think different. And I started, you know, you complete these modules, et cetera. So I went like through Kaufman Fast Track. I went from that to getting accepted into a program called Pipeline Entrepreneurs. And it's about um, for entrepreneurs in the Midwest area. And it kind of connects you to uh, other entrepreneurs, uh, potential investors, angel investors, et cetera. Um, I mean, it, it, it was even teaching you stuff like, hey, you know, how to start an LLC or how to start a C-Corp. Or like I said, we had already had a 501c3, but we ended up pivoting to the um, 
the for-profit space. So it was that. It was really getting acclimated in the ecosystem of Kansas City. And so that's how I was able to bounce back. So basically, I said, boom, here's how I'm bouncing back. Here's what we're doing in tech. Here's what we're going to build. And then I went to pitch competition. So I went to Digital Sandbox, which right now, Digital Sandbox is still a play that's active where you get a $25,000 grant to develop the early stages of your uh, your MVP, which is uh, stands for your minimal viable product. That's another part of also knowing the language of getting in the game. Because you say MVP, like most valuable player, because like, you know what I'm saying? Pass me the rock. No, that's a, it's, you know. <laughs> they started looking for LeBron real quick. Like You feel me? Exactly. So, uh, but learning that language and then we end up getting Digital Sandbox is a 25K grant. We ended up getting Launch KC, which was a $50,000 grant. I think they've done, they've done away with Launch KC, but they kind of changed. It's not a grant. It's more like an investment. We did that. Uh, we got accepted into Lean Lab Education. This is all after basically getting trashed from you know Shark Tank and then getting back in the trenches and getting back and learning this game. So we secured about hundred k in, in non-dilutive grants. And so non-dilutive grant just means like, it's essentially free money. Like you got, you're supposed to do the right thing with it, which we did, but the, there's no strings attached with this money. And it's, and we got to uh, use that capital to build the early stages of our, um, our product. And so it went from that to then actually coming out polished, an early version of our product, knowing how to clearly articulate our business, all the documents and formation to now go start raising money. So then we ended up raising some capital, which was, that's again why I had to get out of KC. I'm raising money, especially as a, as a, as a young brother, uh, and with the uh, a tech company with a hip hop thesis, like Kansas City. Like they love what we're doing, but they're typically not investing. But we did secure uh, a little bit over uh, 300k, you know, in, in investments in the Kansas City area, and then that positioned me to start. Because once I tapped out all the resources, because I got also got the uh, Rainier Institute challenge. It's uh, held by uh, UMKC. It was, it was another 20K grant. So I was getting all these grants. Then I ended up getting the ARCH grants in St. Louis. Started doing some work in the St. Louis ecosystem. So I was trying to get acclimated the same way there. Uh, then we got Techstars in Atlanta. So same way here. I was getting the ecosystem here in Atlanta. And then basically from in a, in a five-year span, from 2016, basically getting trashed and losing my half a million dollar deal, I've been able to by 2021 secure another half a million dollar deal and in total raise over a million dollars in venture capital and so that's still not in this game that's not a lot of money because like it's still tough like that's that's not many these folks out here bro they're raising five ten twenty million dollars matter of fact uh, getting connected with the right people a a kansas city cat named donald hawkins who's another dude you should probably consider uh you know donald he already got the email (laughs) We already, sent, oh, okay. we, already, there you we, go. already we already sent the cold email for the invite. <laughs> right. Well, I can I can make sure I wrap up and tell him to do it because that's my I mean that's my guy. But my dude, he didn't raise just for his new company with First Boulevard twenty million because there's there's not a lot of uh, you know uh, blacks in fintech. So he has like a neo bank for uh, it's a fintech place. So the fintech's a big deal. So he raised twenty million. So even though I've raised a million o- over that five-year span, that's still, that's still not a whole lot of money. Like this cat's, it's, it's real money on the table. So I'm learning now how to get to it. And now I'm positioned. So I, I ended up getting back the half a million dollar deal that I lost. <laughs> it took me five years to do it. But now I'm positioned in Atlanta with the product strong, with the team strong, uh, with the right people around me to now over this next five years, now we're about to become the urban Disney. Now we're about to, you know, 
they the numbers is going up and so that's that's kind of been the uh the 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 journey so far in this tech space i love that i love that one of one of the individuals who's really inspired me over the past few years is nipsey hustle and every time i hear a story like this the first thing that comes to my mind is like you know when 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 a drawback happens immediately the marathon continues so 2016 they pulled out everything it feels like the carpet's pulled from under you but it's like nah fam the marathon continues and here you've it's taken five six years but regardless you got back to it you got back in the game and you made back what you you know essentially lost so 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 right i I love that i love that a lot um so yeah i'm glad you said that too because i mean i know we talked about influencers earlier but nipsey like and i'll be honest i didn't listen to a whole lot of the music because i just didn't listen to a lot of just hip-hop here i would just tap in just so i could get so make sure i stay with energy but what i did love about nipsey also was that like his grind like how he was in that space he was kind of teaching like ownership like he was like hey listen i own this building i'm about to eventually own this whole little you know that corner area and how he was teaching entrepreneurship and ownership and that's what i really respected about nipsey hustle and if you look uh, uh, i actually released a project called legacy which i'm about to start pushing i haven't pushed hard yet but uh legacy is a, a project i just dropped in 2021 that talks about just that my legacy but on the cover i actually had on the all white nipsey uh uh the puma jump off and i got anytime he drops on my I'll, I'll support it yes sir i also want to just let you know you look smooth in that jumpsuit i ain't gonna lie to you i seen that photo i was, uh, yeah. I was, I was like that's a smooth jumpsuit i need that i need that i, need I appreciate that. it yeah. i got charged for that thing overpriced too on because i, I you can't get them no more. So I did aftermarket then and smack me for it. I bet. I bet. Um, so we talked about raising capital, but what's your framework when you approach allocating capital? So how do you think about, you know, where this is going to go, where I'm going to assign this bread, how I'm going to split this up. So like, what's your, your mental framework around allocating capital and making sure that you're putting money where it needs to be put at the correct time? Right. So the key thing is like, so when you're raising capital, you're going to have to put together like a pro forma. You're going to have to put together like a, a, a projections that show like what the money is being spent on. Now you can be flexible with that. Sometimes things change. So that kind of at least gives you a basic framework when you got this pro forma to say, okay, these are, you know, top needs and this is where the money is going. Right. So you start kind of with that, that as a, as the baseline, and then you really get in the business just identify like, okay, what are our top priorities? And so like, even for us right now, like our top priorities are really foundational. So like we're going through like a brand refresh. Uh, uh, we're cleaning up some of the codes, like the UI UX. So that's like the, the design of the app and of the, the, the website, even though both of them are up, we're still cleaning them up to get them prepared for a full launch in 22, uh, making some key hires. Like, so, you know, I'm bringing people on that are, you know, smarter than me that, that, understand business because me like i'm learning business and i do consider myself like an astute businessman uh but there's a lot of people that are stronger in other areas than i am like like i talked about on a go-to-market strategy side or if it's uh you know um how do we properly position our brand etc so making some key hires uh cleaning up and, and making sure the tech and the product is all the way right and uh, getting prepared to kind of go to market. So that's what we're on now. But when you create those performers, when you're raising capital, some most of that's going to give you like the baseline of that. And then a lot of the stuff like in the game, like stuff changes day to day. So you got to be willing to, you know, 
watch, pay attention, listen, learn, and pivot, and uh, just be a good steward of what you were given. And, uh, and I think that's why I've been fortunate and blessed to continue to grow because the little bit that I've received, I've always like done my best to be like up above board with it with this. So, and it's always came back and been more. I love it. I love it. And can you kind of talk about, you know, first and foremost, uh, actually, before you talk about that, how did you find the software developers or the app developers to create the app? Um, where are you finding website developers? Um, like, you know, are you having to do the, the research for where to find these people and vetting these individuals to know that they're going to be able to actually create the product that you want? What does that process look like? Man, great question. That's and that's been one of the biggest challenges is I have to I, I outsource it for the most part because um, I got the vision for it. But again, I'm not technical. So uh, basically, when we first started, I worked with a couple firms and then uh, the first firm I worked with, it just went really, really bad. I mean, it was, it was bad news. The second one, it got a little bit better, uh, and they actually came on as investors as well. And so they invested some uh, capital and some resources. And um, really, that's that team, they were better, but it still wasn't great. But essentially, yeah, you got to if you're not if you don't know how to code or if you don't if you're not connected with friends or family that can code, then you're probably going to have to like outsource. And so a lot of the times, like you're going to work with a, a team offshore. Just because uh, cost wise, it's going to be still going to be expensive, but it's not going to be as expensive as like if you hire a developer in the States. So right now, if I just wanted to hire like one developer in the United States, I mean, that can cost me depending on where they're at, anywhere from 75K to 250K annually just for one developer. And so I've been able to maximize what we're doing, um, you know, hiring these offshore teams. And so that's kind of been my process with that. But like anything else is as time progresses, like tech and different things become more accessible. So there are certain things you can do now that can kind of accelerate your process. Uh, if it's a website like me, you can go to like a Wix or like a Squarespace and do a drag and drop and create a, web, a pretty dope website on your own. Uh, now, if you want more functionality, more detail, certain stuff now, then you probably have to take it to another level. But for the, for the most part, you can do that on your own. Or even like app development, some of the stuff is just more accessible. So some of the prices are coming down, but the challenge is just finding the right help, finding the right team, because you can burn through some capital, like trying to find the right individuals, um, you know, to build and develop your product. I love it. I love it. But, <laughs> so I, uh, I want to ask what, exactly is included in the app and who's is it one person creating all the music within the with the app is it multiple creators uploading their you know kid-friendly music to to the app like if, if if a parent at home right now is listening to this podcast they want to download the app what are they going to get and you know what, what's inside the app Right. So right now the app, um, so a couple of things to answer your question. So we have a team of writers and producers and uh, we're still bringing on, cause that, that was kind of, again, I was in my space. I was connected to really dope artists, really dope producers. And so I still am. And, uh, and I, you know, plugged them in and they're excited to do like stuff, you know, that's positive for kids, but that's still culturally relevant. That's not corny and watered down. And also, you know, we, we breaking some bread with them. Most of the time, cats out here, like I said, it's hard to, hard to uh, turn a buck in this music game right now. And so uh, we have a team of writers and producers. But as far as the app, once you download the app, 
you're going to get a whole library of music. So we also have animated characters. So that we have PJ Panda, or we have Leo the Lion. And so um, right now you get the whole library and it's free. And, and uh, there's two things you can do. That's why we kind of say a Spotify meets TikTok. So once you download the app, you'll have access to the whole library. You can thumb through and pick your music. And so you find a song that you and your kid like, you play it, you can actually hit the little TikTok like recording uh, circle. And then you can now create these dance challenges, your own basically user-generated videos in the app. But it's in a more secure space for children and families. So not everybody gets access to your kids' content, what they're creating. Uh, because really, we're selling two things. One is, even though it's free, we have a free version, but there's a up, you can pay up to get access to more content and also um, access to additional in-app features. Um, but the two things that we're selling is one, this is the own, this is the place where you can come and get like curated, clean hip hop for children and families, but that's still dope. That's still like slaps. Like you, you can listen to it as adults, like oh, adults, like, man, this is hard. Like they listen to it. So you can get the clean music, but then also your children can get a safe social media experience because this is the first generation of fully native internet social media using children i mean they coming out the womb like throwing an ipad in their hands right and so we would go to schools and do shows and afterwards have second and third graders dming us on instagram like we had to block these kids you know what i'm saying so that's what i'm saying real talk bro so they get younger and younger using it so we know we can't take that away from them but we know we can at least give parents a safe tool to say listen when they're in healthy hip-hop when they're creating their dances etc they can do this in a uh, more secure environment so at least to kind of sell that safety portion to parents but right now the majority of our engagement is through streaming our music so the healthy hip-hop app is again it's like a it's it's our own dsp so you'll get music there that you're not going to be able to get uh anywhere else so download the app stream the music right now it's all free we're still going to keep our current library free but in 2022 when we launch uh we're going to have uh, a a buy-up version so you can get that library and if you want the you know the whole entire library you'll pay like 40 bucks a year, or if you want to pay five bucks a month, it'll, you know, it's cheaper if you do it annually, but uh, that's what you'll get right now with the healthy hip hop app. I love it. I love it. And I kind of want to transition to the final topic I wanted to discuss today, which is marriage. You know, you're what are 13, 14 years in, um, and you discuss a, a lot about your children. You discuss a lot about the community and, and things that you're, you, you want to see, be developed and, and pushed and promoted a little bit more in the community across your social platforms. So I wanted to ask you, what has that been like? What, what has that uh, experience been like raising kids, being in a happy, happy black love, you know, just, you know, it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see. And you can really tell, you know, how much you care for your partner. And I thought it was important to touch on that topic before we wrapped up today and, and how important that's been to your journey. Right. I mean, that's the, the biggest part of my journey, honestly. And, uh, and it's been one of my biggest challenges too, is um, kind of, we mentioned like with me and and staying solid and, and balanced in the word of God. And what he has always shown me is like, she is my top priority. Like she needs to be my top focus. And so many times as an entrepreneur and business, and I know, you know, cause you out here grinding. I follow, I've been following you as well. I love you. You'd be having your car rents and I'll be, I'll be watching all your joints, man. A lot of stuff would be on point. And so as an entrepreneur, like you can get consumed with the grind and with the hustle and then certain areas can lack. And so 
that's happened multiple times, like on my journey where I'm just grinding, I'm going so hard, I'm busting moves, I'm out there and I'm like, and God is saying, listen, this is your top priority. Like you need to take care of home, you need to take care of you. So I've always like been available and been accessible. But a lot of the times my mind is so consumed with the grind, like it can, it can make me disengaged. And so I'm just making sure I'm staying hyper engaged with my wife. Uh, and that's why I just turned 40. Uh, and uh, we've been married for 14. It'll be, it'll be 14 years in January that we've been married. And uh, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's what God is showing me. This is, this is my number one calling above any of this is making sure I take care of my home appropriately. Uh, and I will kind of wrap up with this last story was um, when I got accepted into the, the tech stars program in Atlanta, you have to, so tech stars is another like a accelerator where they invest in your company. They give you 120 K and then you spend like three months in whatever city that's in and you go through like this business crash course and then you come out like hopefully meeting all these milestones and prepared to raise follow on capital. And so it was Techstars Atlanta. And when it kicked off, you know, I basically had to move to Atlanta for three months. Uh, so I was staying a whole week in Atlanta during the week and then fly home on the weekends back to KC because because my family had moved. So my goal was to move everybody that summer of 2020. And so, as you know, what happened like halfway through the program, COVID hit. And so it was like days before COVID had hit. Right. And I was praying and I was just like, uh, matter of fact, I was listening to this pastor. Uh, he has like his church for entrepreneurs is what he calls it. And um, he's actually in Atlanta. And his message was he was like, man, he actually had, got a divorce. He's like, man. And it was my fault. He said, I was so focused on building my business and leading the outside world that I wasn't leading my home appropriately. And I was just thinking about that, like, man, it was powerful. And I was got to praying and, uh, and God, and I was like, God, I want to be where you're at. And he's like, I'm with your wife. I'm there. And, um, literally days later, the COVID has shut the world down. And so I was in Atlanta basically I had it. It was like, boy, you gotta go home. You can't go nowhere, but home. <laughs> Cause even though I did, I love being home, but I was in Atlanta throughout the week, just grinding, hustling. I mean, making connect, making incredible connections, but I was like, no, nah, man. So anyway, it pushed me back home and I, I drove home and I, and I talked to her about it being all honest and transparent. Like, listen, I've still been doing what I need to do as a husband. I've been faithful. I've been honest. I've been available. I'm providing for my family, but I need to turn up my engagement making sure that I am really being here with you, loving you the right way, knowing what you want and how can I serve you appropriately and, and making sure that you are the top priority. And so, man, that's why I've been, I've been on that, but I still like, I have my moments where I get in there and I slip and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get back on track. And then uh, and God always blesses it. I love it. I love it. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, so my final question for today, brother, is it's your last day on earth. You're 157, 187, however old you <laughs> want to be, right? Um, you've, you've accomplished all the goals. You've, you've, you know, done what you needed to do. You've experienced what you need to experience. Your children are healthy. Your wife is healthy. Everything is amazing, right? But you have your great-great-grandchildren sitting at your, your feet, right? And it's the last thing you get to say to them before you move on to your next journey in whatever world or, you know, whatever happens after we leave here. And they ask you, great-grandpa, what is one piece of advice that you can give me on how to live life? And that's what they remember you for. What are you going to say? I'm going to say um, love, you know, um, 
ultimately love yourself and love others, you know, and, and uh, when you really operate in love, like that's when it eliminates certain BS. Like when you really operating and moving in love, like that's when you win. You know what I'm saying? Because most people are operating, not operating in love. You know, at one point I wasn't operating in love. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I would say. I would just say, love yourself and love love your neighbors, man. Love God. Just it's all it's all love. Like you operate in love, you will really find success. You know what I'm saying? Once you start operating in, in full love, like and with with a pure motive and good intentions. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Roy Scott, Kansas City native, doing amazing things in Atlanta right now. Um, Again, brother, I appreciate you coming on. And before we sign off today, can you please let the people know where they can find you and Healthy Hip Hop across platforms? Right. So me personally, it's just RoyScott.ceo. I mean, across everything, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera. And then same healthy hip hop uh, on all just three words on uh, on all platforms. So that's Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Yep. Find us out there. Follow us, move with us and uh, support the movement. Download the app. I love it. I love it. Thank you, brother. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, five star review. Share this with a friend. It's the only way we can grow. This is C-I-Z-Z-Y-U-D-I-G signing out. Recording stopped. Uh, recordings ended just wanted to say thank you one more time off air i appreciate you jumping on today that was a really good For conversation sure. i loved being able to learn a little bit more outside of uh instagram right <laughs> right i appreciate justin oh you too man i gotta get a couple of them shirts I'm, I'm gonna be back in town next week man i'll cop a couple of joints mandatory mandatory let me know when you when you're in town and when i'm when i'm in atlanta i'll make sure to bang you a line oh uh, yeah yeah pull up man this goes down and hey man it's a lot a lot of activity Say less, say less. All right, peace and love, brother. Have a great day. All right, appreciate you, bro. All right, peace. What's good, my boy? How are you? It's going, you know the my, the 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 most. That's that's what we try to make happen on my days off, right? You know, try to try to keep uh exactly. I gotta keep the uh oh, I'm trying to I don't have the um, the oh there we go. Uh, you... <laughs>